Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Larry Green of Genesis Performance. Larry and I had a great conversation around the habits and things we're doing in our lives that do not allow us to live in our prime and little tweaks that we can make to our daily habits to help us thrive. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Larry, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. Thank you for inviting me to your show. You are quite welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we met through uh, someone else I've actually gotten on this podcast in the past. Um, and I, I love what you're doing. I love what you've created with your company. And I think it can everything you're doing can bring a big benefit to the listener. So I'm excited to dive into that. But first and foremost, who are you? Who am I? Isn't that the big question? It is. Who are we? Uh, my name is Larry Green. I'm a compulsive entrepreneur. I'm a multitasker. I have a health and fitness and longevity brand called Genesis. My tagline is live tagline is live in your prime. And that really sets the tone for what we're trying to accomplish for people. We all know that time when we felt like we lived in our prime whether it was high school football or, you know, the prom queen or, you know, major success of whatever magnitude is how we define our prime. And then there's qualitative components that go along with that. How do you feel? What is your energy? What is your physical being like? What is your lifestyle all about? How are you managing your day to stay in that high level of flow of being in your prime? And so we work with clients of all types. My primary focus is executives, business owners, and corporations, although I work with individuals of, of any, any kind. And the reason I like that corporate client is because they're especially um, burdened by lifestyle factors, stressors, not able to eat well often, um, traveling, attached to their technology, different time zones. And so that really disrupts their ability to take care of themselves and find time for mind, body, spirit. And so what we do is we connect the dots. We go, like, here's where you are today. Here's this vision of you living in your prime. And we analyze and find the strategies that we can implement to help them come back to that state of optimal health and vitality. Uh, we do it a lot through coaching. I have a team of people that work with me that are experts in their own field. Um, I have a brick and mortar facility in Thousand Oaks, California, where we do you know, in-person training and coaching and mobility work. But with the recent shift of most people to learning to work virtually, it makes life a lot easier and more convenient for people to just jump on and do it through there. In a nutshell, that's, that's what I do. Awesome. Kind of first question that comes to mind as you talk about this is, and then I know this is a very loaded question. What happens between those high school years and our adult years that we are no longer living in our prime? That is a loaded question. And I, I think I've uh, alluded to some of the factors. Um, really, to me, there's a handful of key indicators that move the needle in one direction or the other. My top three are sleep quality, um, mindset, and an eating strategy. And we can dive into those or any of the above uh, as I, as I, go through them. You know, posture is a biggie. Mobility and chronic pain is a biggie. Um, the chronic stress is a biggie. You take all these factors and you top, put them on top of each other. And what happens metabolically, emotionally, physically, biochemically, our body starts to deviate from that prime state of functioning. Um, if you take the analogy of a car, right? We wash it, we wax it, we take it for tune-ups, we inflate the tires, we check all the fluids, we maintain our car, 
so that it looks good and it runs good, right? We don't do that for our own body. We take it for granted. We trash it by not doing these disciplines of sleep and good quality food and positive mindset and, and, and movement. And so there's that delta, you know, between the shiny car and the, the jalopy. I love that you use that car analogy because I use that with a lot of people as well for that same reason. It's like we do put a ton of money into our cars in order to make sure they run well, but then hesitate when it comes to, oh, I need to pay how much to get this lab work done or to get, you know, this stuff done. And it's pretty fascinating when you really start thinking about like this car I'm going to have for maybe 15 years, my body I'm going to have for hopefully a hundred or more. Or more. I, what happens is, I mean, the good and the bad is the human body adapts, right? Oh, I, I can get fine with four and a half hours sleep every night. Oh, you know, I only eat one meal a day. I only have time for fast food. The body adapts and does what it can to get you through the day. And what happens is people forget what that higher level of energy and vitality feels like. And they've figured that the new norm is the new norm. Oh, I'm just getting older. This is what's supposed to happen. You'd be surprised how many people think, oh, as we get older, we're, we just get diabetes. That just happens. So they've, they've fallen into that paradigm of settling. Um, and my job is to challenge that and ask them to look at what is the potential, not only for themselves, but for their family, for their business, for their children, you know, to, to be elevated by this higher vibration. That's super fascinating to me. Cause I like, I've never been in the mindset of just like, this thing is inevitable, inevitable for me. What is it that kind of causes people to think that as far as like, I'm like, just going to get diabetes. Like, it's just a fact of life. Um, what is it that, is it just, be, is it because of what their parents had? Is it because of what physicians and the mass marketing tells us? I think there's two answers. I, I think that there is, you know, every generation has a different dynamic. If you look at technology 20 years ago, if you look at medicine 20 years ago, the world has changed dramatically. And I think what's happening generally in society is the mindset is, is, is lagging in that shift. Um, and yes, they look at their parents and their grandparents, you know, what is it? 40 is the new 60. Um, people haven't caught up to that and gotten excited about what the potential is moving forward with medicine and technology and science and genetics. You know, we understand so much more about the human body and the human biome today than we did five years ago. And that's what fascinates me. That's what inspires me. That's what I study and research and learn and share with people is you could do and be whatever you want. You know, it's available to you and, and, and they, they've settled. And I think another part of it is, and it's not to name drop, but you know, why, why is Amazon so amazingly successful? They've made it so convenient. Mm -hmm. We have become a convenience mentality, a convenience society. And then the COVID situation made it even more so where I'm just going to sit home on the couch and I'm going to have people send me stuff, right? And so we become sedentary and we're not getting sunshine. We're not moving. And it's easier to order fast food or delivery food than it is to make your own food, to go to a farmer's market, to go to a specialty grocery store, to prep your food. So convenience slash lazy. Okay. Definitely makes sense to me. Seeing yeah. the direction the majority of people are going in this world. Right. Um, and I think you and I are on that same ship. You know, we want to change it. We want to turn that direction we have the opportunity to have enormous longevity and vitality, 120, 130 years old, 
no problem. Our bodies and our brains can do that. It's about the mindset and then fueling and maintaining the body as you do your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing to me. I, um, I've had this conversation with people before that, like, even if you want to eat out, like you can make good choices for the most part. Um, like, and it's just fascinating to me, like during COVID and even nowadays, it's like, you see the fast food burger joint lines, like wrapping around buildings forever. And then you look at the more like healthier option restaurants, fast food places. And it's like maybe a couple people there. And it's just fascinating with everything we know now, the direction people are still going. Yes. So it's our job to educate and inspire people. Right. I, um, I, I, I took the title, I am the CEO of my business, but I took the title CIO as chief inspiration officer And when people see that in my email signature or a business card, I want them to know I am here to inspire people. I'll meet you wherever you want to be. I personally am way out there. I'm in the weeds. I am very extreme in how I manage my environment, how I address these pillars of health. But there's a lot of room in the middle, you know, to pull people, let's say, from a three to a seven. Mm -hmm. Right, and it doesn't mean you you can't go out. It doesn't mean you can't have a drink. It doesn't mean you can't eat junk now and then. It doesn't mean you can't stay up all night now and then. It just means that everything's cumulative, and every single thing that you do to and for your body is 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 logged in the log in the history. And um, for me, I spend time um, filling my bucket rather than you know, having it drained. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's dive into some of the things you mentioned before, as far as like how we live in our prime, um, seven to eating strategies first, what sort of things are we talking about here? Cool. So my key components in an eating strategy, uh, are this number one, hydration, great timing. I just saw you drink. (laughs) You must've, you must've felt me. I read your Uh, mind. You knew it. Yes. Um, Hydration's huge. And we can spend hours talking about that. The one thing is you're dehydrated before you know it. And dehydration has many negative effects on how your body functions. Number two for me is meal timing. And I know that gets a little confusing because intermittent fasting is a big thing right now. And I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a personal choice. I think it's goal driven. Um, depending on what you want to accomplish, right? Gaining muscle, losing weight, having more energy, dealing with some ill, whatever it is, you have to be very strategic in the strategy that you make. For me, um, eating three square meals a day, snacking a little bit, you know, puts logs on the fire more often. I love analogies, right? We all know about sitting around a campfire and you've got this nice big flame, And there's always that one person who's tinkering with the fire all the time. They stick one more log in, you know, then they move it around and then they stick another log in. And if you think about the fire as the fire in your belly, your metabolism, for me, if you put logs on the fire and then you walk away for 12 hours and you come back, it's smoldering, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard to maintain that fire. I do believe in a certain fasting, 12 to 14 hours at nighttime, primarily to improve your sleep quality because you want your body working on cleaning house while you sleep rather than digesting food. During the day, I like to provide consistent fuel. In my opinion, it helps regulate blood sugar. It helps stabilize your energy levels and it allows the fire flame to run higher. So meal timing becomes an important issue. That's number two. Number three, food combining, proteins, fats, carbohydrates, understanding what they are, understanding how they function for your body and finding the right balance of those three throughout your day. Number four, and maybe not in this order, um, is food quality, right? 
the industrial food complex has exchanged quality for quantity. And unfortunately, most of the things that you get in a box or a bag or a can have a lot of crap in them that your body will respond to in a negative way. Uh, our ag industry and cows and, and all animal production, I feel is there's a lot of cruelty out there. It's a very substantial burden on our planet. I personally am a vegan. I have no problem with people eating animal proteins. I just want it to be a conscientious decision as far as the quality and where they get their foods from. The quality of what you eat has a huge effect on the bacteria in your gut, your gut biome, which is really the brain, if you will. The gut's been called the second brain. I'm sure you know that, you've heard that. Yep. A lot happens from that bacteria in your gut. And if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And I feel that that's where a lot of this increase in disease, cancer, also brain, brain diseases um, have come from the food chain and, and the chemicals and toxins that we put in our body on a daily basis. So food quality becomes super, super important. And then quantity obviously is a factor, goal-based. And so those, those are the five key components that I look at in developing a nutrition strategy. And you've got to make it realistic and sustainable for your client. If someone, if I have clients who travel a lot, if they, if they have certain limitations to not be able to take those five components and optimize them, then we build strategies around it to help them get as close to that as they can. I think that last part you said is not say the most important, but a really forgotten part. Cause I think so many times like people do their own research and they look for all these things and they're like, this is what I should do, but then they can't figure out how to fit it into their lifestyle or it's really stressful for them. And so they just go back to doing what they were doing. And like, yeah, it's just one of those things and any habit we create in life, if it's not going or anything we try to create in life, if it's not going to work into our lifestyle, like it's not going to work for us. Right. We, we call this lifestyle performance coaching. How can you perform optimally in life based on where you are? And there's that gray zone where you, you get what you could get and, and you work around the items that are not sustainable and find another strategy that helps support that component of what they're trying to accomplish. What do you, and talking nutrition, um, just because I know so many people travel, whether it's for jobs or competitions or races, how do you help people like stay on track as far as finding those quality foods and eating those quality foods while they're on the road? That's definitely um, a challenge. I, I have worked with rock stars who travel for six months out of the year. Um, executives, producers, other types of people that are constantly on the road. And what I do, if they're a client of mine, um, I work with their team and I find out where they're going to be, where they're staying. I, I research the hotels. I research the restaurants around them. I research the gyms around them and I stay ahead of them and I will send them menus. I will tell them what to order. I will find private chefs in the area. I, I, it depends on the level you know, that you're going after. These are people that are comfortable financially and are willing to invest in that. For someone who's just kind of going to doing their own thing, same deal. Look ahead, do the research. Is there a Whole Foods food nearby? Is there a health food store? Um, how many snacks can I bring with me? You know, airport food, airplane food is not good. It's just, it's not. Sorry. Um, I like to load up as much as I can before I hit the road. I like to have as much food around me <laughs> as possible. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm gone for the day, um, 
I know where my refrigerators are. I know where I have stockpiles of food. And if I don't have it, then I'm going to bring it with me in a nice chest. So it's really about planning ahead. Air travel obviously creates a different situation, um, but you can, you can definitely minimize it. You know, I'll, I, I put down a protein shake on the way down to the airport. I mean, I'm finishing it like the minute before you go through the line where you can't have any liquids because I just want that. I want that in there. Um, so finding good quality water, finding good quality food, it's about just planning ahead. And this is where we're stuck. We're, we're in that hamster wheel just spinning and we're just sprinting in that hamster wheel from gig to gig, from Zoom to Zoom, from call to call, from meeting to meeting, from, from obligation to obligation. And it's really about, this is kind of a shift changing gears a little bit on you. I'm obsessed with my calendar. I calendar everything. I make appointments with myself. I plan ahead based on what I'm going to be doing to have food available, to, to rest. When can, I, when can I take a walk? When can I meditate? When can I do some journaling? When can I make some me time? When I can make family time? And I actually plug it into my calendar. And then the key is, because it's super easy just to delete it, either erase it or delete it. You make a bet, you make a deal with yourself. I can move it, but I can't delete it. So if I was going to take a walk on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I blew through Monday and it didn't happen, you slide it to Tuesday and you get it in and you're staring at it. It's a reminder. It's discipline. It's creating a structure and finding boundaries and having discipline. Now I control my own environment. I don't have young kids. I don't have a, I don't have people that I need to care for. I work with some, a lot of people that have families, they have young children, they have this, they have that. There's no perfect solution there, but if we can move you again from a three to a seven on your own personal lifestyle performance, then everybody gets elevated. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I'm the same way. I, people laugh at me when they look at my calendar, like you have so much stuff on your calendar and like, it's three months out. I'm like, cause my training is on there every single, like I have my training blocked. I have my coaching calls blocked with my, with my own coaches. And, um, it's like, it's just that important stuff that's necessary for me to do. And I make time for it. So I, th right. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Let's take a quick break to talk about Venga CBD. I absolutely love CBD because of what it can do for the body with decreasing inflammation, increasing recovery, and enhancing sleep. Venga has an awesome product in the Ultra Gels to enhance recovery and also has their sleep product, which is amazing for both the recovery aspect because it has the CBD, but also the sleep aspect because it has a compound called CBN as well as melatonin. The other thing I absolutely love about Venga is it is made by athletes for athletes. So it is a highly tested product to ensure that it is high quality and is clean. I encourage you to go check out Venga CBD and test it out for yourself and see if you get the same benefits that I do. You can check out all of their great products by going to getyourfixpt.com slash VengaCBD. And if you use my code getyourfix at checkout, you can save an extra 20%. You can also check out all of my partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to the conversation. You mentioned... Um, as far as like eating food timing, um, stopping before soon enough before we go to sleep does help with our sleep quality. So let's dive into sleep quality. Um, why one, why is quality so important over, or I wouldn't say it's more important than quantity, but if we get eight hours of crappy sleep, it's not going to matter. Um, so why is sleep quality so important, but also how do we improve our sleep quality? Now you're just, you know, you just laid it right on the table. I, I love this topic as well. Thank you for, for presenting that. Um, quality is better than quantity. 
in everything in life, right? So qual we, we want to find quality. Here's what the deal is. We have sleep cycles. We have REM sleep, we have deep sleep, we have light sleep, we have awake. The deep in REM is where all the magic happens. Your brain basically goes through the dishwashing cycle. Uh, we're, we're, we're cleansing toxins, right? We have metabolic waste every day. There's a lot of cleanup that needs to happen at the end of our day. So if you think about like, you know, sweeping the floor at the end of the shift, so the next morning the floor is clean, right? And clean to me means the brain, which controls through the nervous system, everything that we do, the hundreds and hundreds of functions that exist without our knowledge inside our body, um, you, you now have rebooted your brain so that it can operate more optimally, right? We also repair, recover, and restore when we sleep. As an athlete, you understand what that's all about, right? You can train until you're blue in the face, and if you don't give yourself time to recover, you never grow, you never get stronger, you never get bigger, you never get more powerful because we need that time. Um, memory, the things that happen become seated in the brain more strongly through those good sleep quality, sleep cycles. We all know it, you know, we had a bad night. Maybe the kid was crying, maybe we drank too much, Maybe we, we ran a marathon and our body's exhausted and we just, whatever. And you know what it feels like when you wake up and you feel like crap, right? And we also know what it feels like when you wake up and you just bounce out of bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I am ready to go. That's, that's the qualitative component of that. Um, I, I push hard every day. I'm, I, every day is a gift. And I want to share and I want to give and I want to connect with people. I want to support my family, my clients, my friends. I want to go on a hike. I don't want to be limited in anything that I want to do in a day because I feel like crap. Right? So there's two things. One, I believe in, in, in wearables. I believe that you should, there's so many good, so much good technology out there for you to understand your sleep quality. And Maybe you have, maybe you snore. Maybe your partner who you sleep in the same bed with snores or grinds or kicks you in the shin five times during the night. These disrupt that sleep cycle, right? All of those variables, when you're in that bed, those things affect your sleep cycles. And it's like, if you're trying to take a nap and every minute somebody keeps knocking, you know, tapping on you to wake you up. That's what goes on, but you don't really realize it because you're in a sleep mode. So again, I got a small handful of things that I suggest to people as strategies to optimize their sleep quality. And most of it revolves around the notion of circadian rhythm, which I'm guessing you know at least a little bit about. And the way I describe that is we, when we were cavemen, when it was nighttime, we slept. When it was daytime, we hunted, we moved about and we ate. And for thousands of years, this is the genetic imprint that we had. If you think even 50 years ago, no computers, no cell phone, no Wi-Fi, no this, no that, we are being bombarded with so much energy that is disruptive to our human body. We can, we can be on a computer with lights on at midnight, right? Our brain through our eyes, our eyes are these massive sensors. By the way, if you're tired and you got five minutes, lay on the floor, put your feet up on the wall and close your eyes. Your eyes take an enormous amount of your energetic bandwidth. To, I mean, we're constantly seeing things and, and analyzing. We're, we're still in our DNA taught to, there may be a bear, there may be someone chasing me. So there's a lot of bandwidth of energy that goes on when our eyes are open. And just also changing the circulation. 
people don't realize what it takes to pump blood from your foot into your heart. Right. So this is my cute little tip. It's like you're hammered and you've got to get a reboot. Take five minutes, lay on the ground, feet up in the air on the wall, close your eyes and listen to your breath. It's really transformative. Awesome. I love that. It's a great little tip. I digress. So there's kind of this choreography of sleep quality, right? And it doesn't require you to control your environment to some extent. An hour or so before bedtime, stop eating, maybe more, hour and a half, no more eating. Let your body start digesting its food before you go to sleep. Start dimming your lights, bright lights, tell your body it's daytime. Get off the technology, get off your phone, get off your computer, get off your tablet. That light going into your eyes is stimulating. Some people say, oh, I put the TV on, it helps me fall asleep. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but at a qualitative level, it is not beneficial. So this really, that warm up, you know, um, the bedroom environment, no technology, no television, get it as dark as humanly possible. The room should be cool. Your body needs to cool down in temperature. Have a good quality bed. You spend more time on that than anything else. Um, a, a good bed makes a difference, right? Um, so those are kind of the things that I look at, you know, giving, allowing yourself to wind down, make sure the bedroom environment is, is set up properly. If you've had alcohol, if you had caffeine too late in the day, if you went for a jog at nine o'clock at night, all of those things are gonna limit or slow down the ability for your body to spool down and calm down. So really have an awareness in those few hours before bedtime of just starting to decelerate, meditate, read a book with a dim light, you know, do something where you can just really get in touch with yourself and allow things to, to decline. And um, find some technology, track your sleep, understand what's going on and make changes. Awesome. I love all of that. I have an airway sleep specialist on my team who I've learned enormous things from. We do all this work for people and um, even just your jaw joint, which is super powerful and strong joint in your body. Um, and the mechanics of sleep is fascinating to me. And a lot of people have airway issues. Mm -hmm. They could do all this great setup stuff ahead of time, circadian rhythm, A+. Plus. If their mechanics for breathing are off, it affects their sleep quality. Yeah, which makes sense. Like I just think of um, certain times of year, my allergies, when I'm more stuffy because of um, allergies, I definitely do not feel as rested in the morning Yeah. than during the times of year I'm breathing better. So definitely makes sense there. Question for you on circadian rhythms and something I've always wondered because like I totally understand the like ultimately wake up when with the sun, go to sleep with, go to bed with the sun going down. But when like, say in the winter, it doesn't get light until like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning, it gets dark at like five o'clock. And then in the summer, it's like complete opposite, at least here for us, it's like sun's coming up at four 30 in the morning and it's going down at nine. Like, how do we function in our normal schedules around that circadian rhythm when it's so different in the, in our times? I hear you. Um, in the morning, I tell people, well, again, assuming kind of a normal daylight sunset scenario, get out in the sun for five minutes. Don't look directly at the sun, but allow indirect light into your eyes. That's kind of that wake up call. That's the big signal that tells your body, oh, it's daytime, right? Now, uh, what is it like Alaska? It stays light till 10, in the, 10 at night or something or other? During a certain time of year, yeah. Right. So we can control our environment, right? You know, we can dim lights, we can close blinds. Um, so I, I think it's just trying to emulate or replicate rather the, 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 the daytime mode and the nighttime mode when it's that time. Okay. Think about it like a light switch, right? And, and understand that when you flip that switch to on, 
your body's going to function in its AM daytime mode. And if you're trying to do PM functions in the AM mode or vice versa, then you're creating some confusion. Our bodies love consistency. You know, an hour swing, oh, when it's when it stays light, I go to bed a little bit later. That's fine. When it gets dark early, I go to bed a little earlier. That's fine. You know, that's just, it, as long as there's some consistency in that, your bedtime should be within an hour. I normally go to bed at 9.30. Sometimes I go to bed at 10.30. That's all good. Awesome. I just go to bed and the sun's still up because I have no shame. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, want to shift gears a little bit. I know you mentioned mindset is a huge portion that you work on. Um, I would love to dive into some of that a little bit when, um, obviously mindset can go a ton of different directions. What sort of things are you focused on when you're working with people on mindset related things? Fear, trauma, beliefs, and asking people to get out of their head, get out of your head we create a lot of our own trauma, drama, and stress. I know it's a stressful world out there, I get it. We can't dig a hole and climb into it, but we are in control of how we interpret the information we receive, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's about creating an awareness of being an observer with, rather than being in it, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously we got to talk about COVID, right? That was a very, was, is, I don't know. Everyone's got their own perspective. It could have been perceived as a horrible, scary situation. And I have enormous respect for people who lost a loved one, a friend who were sick, who had went had problems during that time period. And that's a whole nother conversation. It's about trying to be the master of your own thoughts, right? And observing things at a little bit of an arm's length distance. And also like, if you said something to me that was insulting, it hurt my feelings. I have two choices. I could be angry and say, you're a horrible person. And then I'm going to have all that drama. Or I could say, gee, I wonder why that was statement was made. Is, is there something upsetting? Is there something of concern? Is that other person, you know, reliving something that has triggered them? I lean into compassion and acceptance and understanding and finding my own sense of strength and security. And I try and share those tools with people. And I think a lot of it stems from self-worth and validation, right? People very much want this external. This is why social media has become so you know, significant people want that external validation mm -hmm. and it creates a dependency on outside stimulus. And then we just get, a, that's the only thing we have. And then our own being becomes uh, weak, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell people, you need to gain some core strength, not in your abdomen, but in the core of your being, right? And this is where a practice of self-mastery comes in. And I know this is kind of out there. Um, if you can meditate, if you journal, if you have a therapist, if you have a friend, if you have an accountability group, there's so many ways for you to strengthen your own being so that the factors outside of that are not hitting you as hard. It's, it's, it's a definition of resilience, right? So mindset for me is starts from within. And when you can be whole and full and abundant 
and having all eight cylinders firing with all the power that you have, it's so much easier to deal with external variables that could stress you out, that could be fearful, that make you angry. Um, whatever The brain wants to control everything. I ask people to focus more in their heart and see how do you feel and have compassion for others. That's awesome. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work that I've done myself, you know, figuring out how to respond versus react to situations and really kind of reading into things more, spending more time with myself. And it's, it's hard work to kind of make that switch and be in, make those changes and become that like more aware, attentive person and really kind of think about what's going on versus what you're perceiving is going on. I agree a thousand percent. And everybody has their own circumstance, their own environment, their own family dynamic. And it's just, you know, what you think and believe, whether it's right or wrong, it's right. Right. The, the mind and the body talk to each other. And if your brain says this is fearful, your body goes into fear mode. When your body goes into fear mode, the brain goes, oh crap, we're in fear mode. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm not saying that in the, in, the, in the presence of danger, you should just be, you know, smelling flowers. Obviously there's reality. And I'm, I'm, I'm offering you input on in a perfect world scenario. And we all have to find that level of where we can be in those circumstances. And rather than just cramming it in the drawer, let's pull them out and deal with each one of them so we're not carrying it around all day long, right? We have this bucket full of anger and stressors and fears and this and that, and it doesn't take a lot for the water to tip over and spill out. If we can drain that bucket a little bit and clear some of this, these, these negative factors about mindset, then it makes it, you have a lot more bandwidth to address a short-term situation that exists. When talking about fears, stressors, things like that, I know it's kind of our, a human's normal bias to be cautious and fearful of change, uncertainty, not wanting to try new things, not wanting to like, just any, any change. It's, you know, we kind of view it as unsafe. How do you work with people to start overcoming that and being okay saying like, they're trying new things, going for that new job or whatever it is? Uh, break it down into small pieces. We, if we've got a dozen things spinning around, it's too big. It's too big to try and tackle all of those. So we, we and again, I have, I have health coaches, I have performance coaches, I have People on my team with so many initials after their name, I, it's just, it's incredible. And I'm beyond grateful to have the, this collaboration of people that work with me. And so we, we kind of match make a client to the right team of people based on where they are. We do a pretty extensive intake and assessment process with any new client that comes on board, even a corporation. We wanna understand their culture, their organizational structure and how they do stuff. And then we start picking it apart. And there's, for me, there's two sides of the coin. There's, let's build up the things that are going well to make it even stronger. And let's take those things that aren't going well and let's chip away at them one at a time. In a food strategy, I, I will have someone write down five things that they're doing well with food and five things that they're not doing well with food and we stick it on the fridge and I'm like, pick one from each column. And for a week, you're going to focus on improving the good one and decreasing the bad one. And after a while you've made 10 changes, incremental changes in your eating strategy and you're feeling better and the world looks different. The same is true with your mindset, with your brain, with your emotions, with how you're presenting yourself. Let's pick the low-hanging fruit. Let's pick the things that might be the easiest to solve. 
and cross off. Not the biggie. Let's not talk about the biggie yet. A lot of people go after the big one first. I go after the small ones first. Boom, done, boom, done, boom, done. Now it doesn't look so bad. And with those three things done, you feel better. It's about momentum. Okay. And inertia. Right? Yeah. So that, that's how I approach it. That's how I encourage people to approach it. I like lists. Write it down. I put everything down on paper or in my computer because I don't want to carry it around in my brain. What am I doing next week? I have no idea. I don't want to have to keep thinking about it. I trust my system. It's in my calendar. I need to, I have to remember to tell someone something. I'm not going to carry that around all day. I'm going to write it down. I have, this, I have this little cheat sheet that I take every day, last me a few days. And if I'm in the middle, rather than going in the computer, I just write it down. And then in the morning, I look and see what did I write down and where does it belong on my calendar, on my schedule, on my to-do list. Free up your brain. You sound like me between my dry erase board right next to me and my phone. I put a ton of reminders in all the time. I'm like, same thing. I'm like, I don't want it in my head. Yeah, no kidding. Um, one last thing I do want to talk about today is postures, movements, kind of daily habits in that sense. How does that really impact how we feel, how we live, how we thrive? Posture. Wow. Posture is a great one. Unfortunately, we're seeing a rapid decline in all demographics in good posture. And whether it's sitting in a chair, whether it's looking at your technology, um, whether it's just being tired, we're seeing a decline. I, I love people watching. I love seeing what's going on. My, my kids call me the posture police. Posture is, has a couple different things. Um, when we stand up tall, when we're open and, and feeling expansive, our energy shares that image, right? Mm -hmm. I say, I tell executives, you have two interviewers walking in the door. One guy comes in, he hands you his resume. He sits in the chair and he's all crouched in, his shoulders are rounded and he barely looks up at you. And it looks like he's been up for three days versus a guy who comes in, greets you very strong, sits upright, eye contact, positive, glowing energy with the exact same resume. Who are you going to hire? Duh. We know the answer. People, body language is 90 some odd percent of our communication. So as we relate to ourselves in the mirror and as we relate to the world, our posture is an amazing indicator of our state of being, number one. Number two, and my favorite, is that the brain controls everything that happens within our body through our nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. The brain tells the, the, the organ, the brain tells them every movement we do, the brain is telling us to do these things. I grew up in the construction industry, so I understand wiring and electrical and all that kind of stuff. So if you think about your spine as being like an electrical pipe and there's a thousand wires in that pipe, right? Those wires go from the back of the brain to every operating function of your body. If that pipe is, is tweaked, if it's bent in a way that it wasn't designed, we have a short in the system. We've got the wiring is not solid. And so the other interesting fact is that 93% of our nervous system operates without pain sensors attached to it. Have you ever had someone say to me, hmm, my, my kidney feels like it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. I feel pain in my kidney. Now, in some cases, in extreme case, that happens. But in our day-to-day -day life, if you're a healthy person, we don't think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, if we get burned, if we get poked, we know that our skin has pain sensors in it. But there's so much that goes on within the body that can be malfunctioning and we don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And it's because the nervous system isn't the brain isn't getting the right instructions to that part of the body. 
I have a couple of chiropractors that are really good friends of mine. I go to both of them for regular adjustments. They're able to get rid of chronic bedwetting in young kids through spinal adjustments. They're able to restore digestive uh, irregularities through a spinal adjustment. So the nervous system, optimizing your nervous system so that that computer, the brain, the most powerful computer ever created can give perfect information to every part of your body. And when we are, and then the good and the bad news is that the spine was kind of designed with zero tolerance. So if you have rounded shoulders, if you have forward head, if your pelvis isn't lined up properly, you have a short, even if it's just not creating pain in your body because you don't feel that part of it. Uh, but the nervous system is definitely sensitive to posture and how the spine is aligned. Awesome. Great information there. Thanks. Super helpful. Larry, you shared some awesome information today. If someone wants to ask more questions, just wants to find out more about you and what, and your company, where can they find you? Great. Thank you for that. Uh, genesisperformance.net is our website. You can find all of our socials through the website. If you hit the contact us page in the website, it comes directly to me. I respond to all of them. I welcome any inquiries, conversations. I am I'm here to help elevate people and to inspire them. Uh, money is a necessary evil, but that's not my primary focus. My primary focus is doing and caring and supporting others. And so I end up doing a lot of work with people just because it's the right thing to do. And I like to pay forward my knowledge and the gifts that I've received thus far in my life. Uh, and I, I welcome any inquiries and um, questions that they might have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for your time. This is a great conversation. And I thank you for, for your platform and for inviting me on. Um, you know, you, you hit on questions that are near and dear to me. I'm sure you can feel my passion and my getting in the weeds and geeking out a little bit on some of these things. So <laughs> forgive <laughs> me, forgive me for that. I always try to translate things into just life and reality but there's so much to understand about the human body and how we navigate these challenging times. And uh, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to a continued dialogue with you. Awesome, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. Now, if you are dealing with your own foot and ankle issues and would love to get back to running and racing again, I highly encourage you to check out runwithhappyfeet.com to find out what it looks like to work with me. Or if you wanna do things even faster and take a deep dive into your specific situation, then book a free call with me at runwithhappyfeet.com slash book dash call. And finally, if you know someone who would benefit from the information provided today, I would love for you to share this podcast with that person. Now go out and have an awesome day.